Amen. He is greater. He is better. Yes? Come on, church. We are worshiping a God who is so much greater, so much better than anything the world can throw at us. And I don't know what the world's thrown at you this week, this last year, or even today. But the, the recognition that Jesus is better is the beginning of our faith journey of really going to the next level. Jesus is that good. And you're here for a reason. Whether you're online or in person, we are so thankful that you are here today. And I believe God has something to say to each of us through his word. Amen? We're in this series, Generations Following by Faith, and we're looking at what does it mean for each of us to, to see him and to follow by faith. And we're in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. It's an amazing book, and I want to read to you the three verses from last week to set up where we're going today. So I'm going to just turn there right now. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. God's word, his voice created it all. It says, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. These three verses set in motion the entire chapter that, that speaks to you and I and speaks to them then of this faith that by generation and generation were people that were saying, we have faith in God, we hope in God, we have a conviction that no matter what the world's throwing at us, no matter what's going on, we're going to follow that God. We're going to follow Jesus. As we look at this, there's these moments where we have to be reminded at the pace God moves. You know, it's interesting. I, I love to uh, move fast. I, I, I just always, you know, I love speed. Um, you know, do not put me behind a, you know, if you have a fancy sports car, just know, like, I'll think I'm an expert within an hour. Like, I slept at a Holiday Inn last night, so I know what I'm doing, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so I just love speed, and, and God is constantly helping me to slow down. I'll tell you more about that as this goes on. Be, because the reality is God is a God that moves often slower at the pace of a walk than we realize. It's actually a Japanese theologian and author uh, that in 1979 wrote a book called The Three Mile Per Hour God. His name is Kasuki Kuyama, and he says this. Listen to this quote. We're not going to have it on the screen. Just let it sink in. He says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. He wrote that in 1979. Anybody else feel like technology is a gift but also a burden? Anybody else feel like your phone even now is distracting, pinging, and getting you to try to move faster and get out of this moment? It's the truth. Technology, as great as it is, could also cause us to hurry and to move quicker and, and miss out on what God is doing. And he said this in 1979, and it's very true today. There was actually in my life about 13 years ago a moment where God really began to press this deep into my soul and, and to help me to see that, yes, there's moments that he wants to move quickly, but in general, it's a walk. That moment was in 2010 when our ministry in Michigan was given 
uh, an incredible donation. We were given a Sears building, a former Sears building, 130,000 square foot building, 10 and a half acres of land, free and clear, donated to our ministry, a church at the time of about 100 people. Can you imagine? We were so excited, so thrilled with what God had done. Uh, it, it was a big story in our lives, but also a story that went nationwide at the time because it was the first situation like this. You see, what I didn't know was 30 days into that journey, we would receive and be party to five other parties that were being sued by a landowner adjacently that wanted control of the land. So we faced a lawsuit. In addition to that, we had a local township that actually put an injunction on the property and said, until this is settled, you can't use it. Can you imagine? And God in that moment began whispering to me, trust me, trust the process and walk it out. Can you say walk it out? You see, what we're looking at today is what does it mean to walk it out? To walk by faith. And to know that God is going to use the situations we're in to help our faith grow. Throughout the book of Hebrews 11, there are story after story of characters and people that were just like you and I. They had to walk it out by faith. I believe today you're going to find, a, hopefully, a lot of encouragement in some of these stories. And we're going to start with verse 4 of Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, can you say that? By faith. Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, although he died, or though he died, he still speaks. Pretty incredible that, you know, we don't have a lot on his life. I'll show you what we do have in a minute. And yet his life still speaks, even today in 2023. If you're taking notes, there's this reality of walking it out that a God-first walk will match our talk. A God-first walk will match our talk. You see, Abel had a God-first walk, a walk that matched his talk, a walk that allowed him to be who he was wherever he was, and that's why his life still speaks today. It's interesting for you and I because we live in a world that often we say things, but we don't necessarily allow our lives to match what we've just said. Anybody else had that moment where you said, you know, do as I say, not as I do? It's a generational problem, but it's not a new problem. You see, when we look at Abel's life, we see that, that there was an intersection of his walk and talk. He was a person of integrity. He was a person that was placing God first in a way that led to the reward, led to the blessing over his life, but also led to some of the difficulties that he would face. Let's take a look in Genesis chapter 4. These first four verses say, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. So Cain is the oldest, Abel is the younger. It says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought also, or also brought of the firstborn. Can you say firstborn? The firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. So I want to look at these four verses and 
tell you that I do believe what we see is that a God-first walk here matches the talk. You see, scholars differ on what's going on with that offering. Scholars differ, and, and there's no real clear answer to why Abel's was accepted and Cain's was not. Spoiler alert, Cain's offering isn't going to be accepted. So, so when we look at Abel's and we try to understand it, some might say, well, you know, Cain's was of the fruit of the ground and Abel's was actually of the animal and livestock. And we know that later, under the law, there would need to be blood sacrifices. So, so in many ways, we could say, well, maybe it was because it was an animal and it had blood and, and that's why. But again, they're not under the law at this point. I actually think that personally, as I look at it, it has to do with this firstborn principle. That, that actually, while Cain had brought an offering, he had most likely, from what we can tell, not brought the first, because it didn't say he did. You ever brought God your leftovers? Like some of you love leftovers, but we too often bring God the leftover. We, we can bring God the, the leftovers of our time, the leftovers of our treasure, the leftovers of our life, and, and wonder why we're missing maybe his blessing and favor. You see, it, it says clearly that Abel gave of the firstborn. And we know that later and throughout Scripture, actually, there are moments where it commends our worship when we put God first. In fact, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation and the ultimate offering for you and I as the Son of God. So this principle of first and, and what it means to put God first is something that we have to look at in our own life. Like, is he actually first and does our walk and talk line up? You ever had that moment where he's first on Sunday and then Monday happens? Or, or maybe for you it isn't Monday, it's, you know, sometimes Tuesday. Or, or maybe it's, it, it's Wednesday that, that, that you're like, I, I don't know where, where God went. I don't know what happened, but, but you catch yourself realizing he's not necessarily matching your walk and talk and something's missing. It, you know, it's interesting because I found it really doesn't matter what day of the week, that, that as long as it has the word day in it, there's a chance I can get in my flesh and get away from God being first. Anybody? I mean, it's the reality. It's life. Things press on us. Things happen. And so when we think about a God-first walk and what it looks like to put him first, we see that in Abel's life. And it says that he was blessed, he was commended, and that his life still speaks today as we're hearing about it. But it wasn't because what happened next was easy. In fact, it was tragic. Because there was something that unfolded with his brother that we've got to take a look at. Let's look at the next few verses. For Abel and Cain, things didn't match, things didn't add up. Verse 5, it says, But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching, say crouching, crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. This was the first act of murder that we see in the Bible. 
Sometimes the walk and talk does not match. There was something about Abel's life that matched. And, and you know, it's funny. I, I have children, four of them. Uh, two of them are going to get ice cream today because Jasmine and Elle have been inviting me. And if, if I share their name, they get ice cream. So you know what I'm doing tonight, right? I'm, gonna take, I'm on purpose taking my girls to ice cream. Don't you love it? And, and so they've been asking me to play this game with them. Uh, it's a new game. It's a you know, Gen Alpha game, their game, it's Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza, okay? Now, this card game is this random game that invites you to match things, but not in the way you would expect. As the sequence goes, as you place a card down, you're actually then in a moment where if it does match, you've got to put your hand down quickly, and the last hand loses the round. Well, guess who loses every round? My hands are not as quick as a 10-year-old's, okay? I can't match, you know, my walk and talk and get it to work in the way it needs to. And uh, they give me a hard time about it. And it's funny because there's also these three cards. I think one's a Norwal, one's a gorilla, one might be a squirrel. Like, you might be experiencing that right now. And, and, and in that, when that card pops up, there's hand motions that you have to do. I think the narwhal is like you go like this and then you put your hand down. The gorilla is like this and you, you know, put your hand and the squirrel is like on the table and you, and so what they've learned is dad cheats. <laughs> what, what they've learned is dad will actually see the card, know that I can't remember quick enough what hand motion. And so rather than matching it, I'll just go like this and then put my hand down. And they'll be like, dad, what are you doing? That doesn't match, you can't do that. And inevitably, I lose almost every single hand. Why do I say all this? Because there is moments in life where things aren't matching. And for us to realize God is so gracious that he wants to intervene in those spaces and provide us with a way out. And in this moment, Cain was actually provided with that information. God comes to him and says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. I see your anger. I see your rage. I see what you're about to do. And wants and invites him to see how to connect it, but he doesn't listen. If you're taking notes, we need to walk it out. And as we walk it out, we need to have a spirit-led walk that chooses freedom over control, that chooses freedom over control. And, and we need to understand this is counter to what culture is teaching us right now. You, you see, you and I live in a day and age where the world is constantly saying, do what you feel and you'll find freedom. You do what you feel, you do you, and that's where true freedom is found. It's a lie. You see, each of us have sin crouching at the door and, and what is being said to Cain, hopefully you can hear in your life. It may not be anger, it may not be rage, it may be something else that's crouching at your door. And it's waiting to rule over you because that's what scripture teaches. We don't find freedom by doing whatever our flesh wants, we find freedom by following the spirit and doing what Jesus wants. Because if we follow our flesh, we end up just like Cain, slaves to that action, slaves to that behavior, slaves to that sin. Romans 7 talks about this, that you and I 
have a sin nature. And if we allow what's crouching there to win and we don't follow God's spirit away from our flesh, we actually found ourselves in bondage. But the beauty is when we choose the spirit, God frees us. We're no longer slaves to those things. So again, it may not be anger for you. It it may be that what's crouching at the door is lust or pornography. It, It may be that it's Uh, what you turn to when you need to numb yourself. You turn maybe to food or entertainment, to alcohol or drugs, crouching at the door, waiting to rule over you. And here's God saying, listen, if you'll follow my spirit, I've got real freedom for you. You don't have to be under the control of it. For Cain, it set in motion devastation because he didn't choose freedom. He chose rage. He chose to take it into his own hands. Anybody else made a mess of something by taking it in your own hands? All right, we got like six honest people. I love you. I mean, that's the reality, is when we take it into our hands, we make a mess. And the beauty is God actually does something with those messes. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want to also give you hope that there's a way out, just as God came to Cain and gave him a way out. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16 and 17 are just very instructive and filled with freedom and truth for us. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What is that saying? It's saying to us as believers in Jesus Christ that when he puts his spirit inside of us, he gives us not just the freedom, but the strength to live for him. Because we have a flesh that still at times will do things that we don't even understand why it's happening. You ever, let me just have fun with this for a minute. You ever had that moment where like, well, maybe it was today. Maybe today somebody got your favorite parking spot at Pathway. Maybe somebody's sitting in your seat at Pathway. We have no assigned seats, by the way. Some of you think we do. We don't. Maybe somebody's sitting in your seat. Or maybe it's going to happen when you go to lunch and the service isn't what you expect. The food doesn't turn out the way you want. And suddenly there's an invitation to sin crouching at your door and your flesh to rise up. Can we get real enough to admit that we have a flesh that wants to rise up Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? I'm telling you, Wednesdays at two o'clock, stay away from me, y'all. I don't know why, but you know, anybody else, like middle of the week, middle of the afternoon, like it's just like, Jesus help me right now, I don't know what's happening. Nobody? You're just glad you're not up here. You're just glad you're not me right now with everybody looking at you. So, so what, what is this, right? We, some of you, you grew up like I did with uh, the old Looney Tunes, right? And, and there was this, this moment in the cartoon where you had like the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other and, and the choice, okay? Let me take that to where this text takes it. You, you see, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he actually puts the Holy Spirit inside you. So, so you might still have this, these conflicting voices, but guess what you have that's a game changer? The X factor and the thing that changes everything. He puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. 
And so what happens is you now have the ability to choose the spirit inside of you when your flesh is weary, when your flesh is weak. That's part of why we fail is we try to do it in our own strength. What would it look like to say, God, I can't, but I know you can. God, I'm not able, but I know you are. God, I don't know how to fight this. I don't know how to get away from it, but I know your spirit's inside of me. Give me the strength. Part of what happens when we walk it out is God gets us to a place where we depend on him more. And I just want to submit to you that if we'll choose the spirit more and more, God is going to walk us into greater levels of freedom, greater levels of joy, greater levels of peace and kingdom advancement in our lives and the life of our church. Can I get an amen? Amen. So verse 5, back to Hebrews 11, is interesting because it it talks about Abel, right, in verse 4, and we learn about Cain and what happened and and how Cain chose, you know, his flesh. He, He allowed the, you know, the crouching sin to overtake him. What's next is verse 5, obviously, and it speaks of this man named Enoch. And there's not a lot in Scripture about Enoch, but there's enough that we can really learn something. And and what I want to make sure you understand is Enoch is a descendant of Cain. That actually Cain, a couple generations later, it would lead to Enoch. And our God is a God who takes every story and every mess and is able to intervene in it and to change the story. Can I get an amen? Because what Cain failed on later, Enoch, by faith, began to have the story changed. In fact, what's said about him is really powerful. Let's read it, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Can you imagine? He didn't die a normal death. He was taken by God. Think of him walking it out, and God's just like, hey, it's time. Walk it up in here to heaven with me, right? So it says he was taken up that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Part of the commendation was he had walked closely with God. And his life was now the life of a story changer. If you're taking notes, when we walk it out, when we have a close walk with Jesus, it is a story changer. You see, Enoch walked with God. He's a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Later, you and I have the opportunity to walk with Jesus. But he was walking with God. And as he walks closely, it was changing his story and the story of others and ultimately history, which I'll show you in a minute of what it led to. So do we believe that as we walk it out, that a closer walk with Jesus will change our story and the story of those around us? I hope we do, because whatever you're facing, whatever seems to be your story, whatever the enemy has tried to speak over you or to hold you back, Jesus, when you walk closely with him, can change your story and the story of those that follow you in generations to come. This is really good news. Better news than than how you're receiving it right now. (laughs) Turn with me to Genesis 5. I got to show you this so you understand a little bit more of his life. As I said, there's not much about Enoch in the Bible. We see in Jude a reference to a prophecy 
uh, that came from Enoch, we see in Genesis 5 a little bit more about how he lived his life. But there are those that would say in many ways that, well, I, I heard out there that there's a book of Enoch. You can Google it. I would encourage you not to read it, though. The, the reason is the book of Enoch was not written by Enoch. It was actually written a couple thousand years after his life. It was written a few hundred years before Jesus. So as a result, it has a lot of falsehoods, a lot of untruths, a lot of things that hit, were determined by the early fathers to not fit the canon of Scripture. Therefore, it's not in our Bible for a reason. You see, Genesis to Revelation, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, written over a 1,500-year period, this is God's authoritative and inspired word of God. We believe in what it says, and if something's missing from it, we can ask the question, why? Well, I asked that question this week. I wanted to dig a little deeper. Why? What was one of the reasons that Enoch was not included in the Bible? In addition to the fact that he didn't offer it, that it wasn't written by any of the apostles, that it came in this weird waiting period of time where in some ways you could go, well, they weren't walking it out. They started to manufacture their own desires. You know what that book talks about? It actually talks about getting revenge on Cain and the family of Cain and the blood of Cain. Can you imagine if the story ended there and people said, okay, we've waited 2,000 years, uh, let's go get him. Let's go find his descendants. Let's, let's get revenge and get the blood of Cain and his family. Praise God that did not happen, amen? Because what happened was, a little bit later, Jesus came. And it wasn't about revenge, it was about redemption. It was about a new story. It was about a God who said, yes, this happened, but here's what I'm doing now. It wasn't about the blood of Cain, it was about the blood of Christ. He's the story changer. But let me take you back to what we can see about Enoch for just a minute. Verse 21 says, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. If you're a trivia buff, you know Methuselah was the person that lived the longest that, were, that we know of. The Bible says he lived, I believe it was 963 or 961 years. He was a descendant of Enoch. It says, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's amazing, right? It doesn't say a lot. Sounds like he procreated. Sounds like he fulfilled God's purpose for his life. Sounds like he walked with God. And it was in the walking with God and being close to him, that it began to change the stories of his offspring and ultimately led to Christ. It's why his life still speaks today, as scripture says. So as we're looking at this and thinking about it, I mentioned to you earlier that God told me in a difficult space 13 years ago with that Sears building, in all of the stuff I was facing, he, he said, I need you to trust me. I need you to walk it out. I need you to get closer to me. You see, what I thought God was using to upgrade us and, and lead us into new territory was really God saying, I want to use this to grow you and those around you. There's actually, uh, you know, you think about Michigan winters, they're a little different than Florida winters, okay? Michigan winters are brutal. 
Um, they are cold. They are filled with snow and ice, which is gorgeous for about a week. And then you just are like, oh, please, like, make, make it go away. Now, there's some that love it. I wasn't one of those. One of the reasons I didn't love it is all the upkeep it required and all the bills that would come with it, right? You ever had a bill show up that you acted like you didn't see it for a few weeks? When we got that Sears building, in the dead of winter, we got our first gas bill. And that gas bill on an empty property not being used was $6,000 for that 30-day period. Church of 100 at the time, God provided. We have some donors that at the time took care of it. It didn't affect the church finances, but it did affect me and began to ask me, or ask, I had to ask the question, God, how are we going to sustain this? What are you going to do? So, so there was a moment uh, in that first, first winter, I believe it was, that we had to pay the bills that, that I realized, like, we can't afford this. I can't fix this. If I try to fix this, if I try to fight this out, I'm going to make a mess of myself, the situation. And truthfully, I believe if I wouldn't have done what I did in that moment, which I'll share with you in a second, I'm not sure if I'm standing here today. Because I would have missed what God wanted to teach and how he wanted to provide. You see, what I did is I went to Lowe's, and those of you that know me well know that um, I don't go to Lowe's very often. I don't go to Home Depot very often, nothing against them. I'm just not real handy. Some of you men are like, I knew it. <laughs> and so I went into Lowe's, and I got a garden thermometer. This is the actual garden thermometer. Okay, right now it's reading 60 degrees. That's because it's old. It's been around a minute. It is not 60 degrees in here. I know some of you are like, I knew it. No, it's, it's probably about 70 in here. If you're cold, uh, I'm so sorry. But this right now says 60. And what I did, I walked into that building in the dead of winter. And I took this garden thermometer. I shared this story with our men a couple months ago. And I put it up on the light panel to the building. And I just prayed a very simple prayer. I said, God, we can't afford to heat this building. This is your building. I'm asking that you would keep it at 40 degrees for the rest of the winter. And I shut off the boiler. I shut off everything, all gas. The bill, the bill literally went down to about $130. I guess there was a little leakage of gas somewhere. But the difference was significant. Now, here what was more significant. For that three-month, four-month period, whatever it was, I went into the building every second or third day to just check on it to see, to make sure pipes weren't freezing and all of that. And I would go and I would check this. This needle stayed on 40 degrees all but one day over the next three months. The one day that it wasn't on 40, it went to 39.5. I felt like that was the day God said, see, it isn't broken, it works. <laughs> I say this to say, when we walk closely with God, God is using some of the situations to change the story, to change the story of our faith. For us, it was that building. That building, we ended up settling and selling and multiplying it into multiple properties across our community. It turned into a blessing that we didn't even know was possible, but it also blessed me over a two-and-a-half-year painful period where God grew my faith. So I want to show you this on the smart board over here for just a minute because when we think about what God can do in a close walk with him, you know, the first thing to realize is that God actually is about his relationship with you more than religion. 
And I say this often around here, but it's so important that you understand this. If you're not growing in your walk with Jesus and in your relationship with Jesus here, I would pray that you begin walking and growing, and then if God, it doesn't happen here, my heart and our heart as a church is, go find a church where you can grow with Jesus, because that's what it's all about. We don't need you so attached to church that you aren't growing in a relationship with Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? Our board has been praying that I'd be bolder. There you go, right? I mean, it's literally an invitation to realize at the end of the day, it is a relationship with God over religion that, that we need. And then we need to realize with that, that God is about our forming over performing. You see, we live in a very performance-based culture. We have cameras on us all the time. We have social media, all this pressure to be performing. And sometimes that carries over into the church. And, and we can feel like, well, I've got I've to do this and I've got to do that. And it becomes about performance. And, and what I would tell you is the guy that's up here often that has family in the room right now is I'm human just like you. This mic will go off in a little while. You're like, how long, right? When this mic goes off, I go to life just like you do. And if I'm not being formed by God and showing up in the ways that represent God well, matching my walk and talk, then that is something that should keep my mic off regularly. Does that make sense? You see, God takes situations and he says, I want to use this in your life to form you. So, so it could be a medical diagnosis. It, it could be a step of faith where he's saying, trust me with your work. It could be, trust me with the church. It could be, trust me with your finances. But God ultimately wants to use this because in our forming, our being leads to our doing. That the forming by faith in a close walk with Jesus means that we will naturally be able to live the way he wants us to. This is what it means to begin to get into the step with the Spirit. Last thing I want to show you is ultimately, what am I saying? A close walk with Jesus? You fill in the blank. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever's in front of you, whatever it was your challenge as you walked in the door today or turned us on online, that is something that Jesus, a close walk with him, can help you overcome. And what he'll do in it will change you forever and change the story of those that will ultimately be affected by you. God is moving in incredible ways here. We, we had somebody uh, share a testimony of faith between services today. God delivered them of an addiction a few weeks ago, and he's moving them into a new season of life. And it was literally like watching this play out where, wow, that's a bad greater symbol. Um, that's Jesus is greater than whatever it is, right? It was literally like hearing real time, like, yes, this is happening in our church. And so what does it look like for you and I to answer that calling? Let me ask you a few questions uh, as we think about applying this. The first, will you step into a closer walk with Jesus this summer? Make it your best summer ever we keep talking about. To, to walk with Jesus. Do you know that there's more than 170 people signed up right now? for the Experiencing God study this summer, that is a move of God in any church, in any summer. And so we wanna encourage you, 
Sign up. Be a part of it. Commit to growing with Jesus and allowing that to change your story and the story of others. Walk it out. You can sign up today. Uh, intro week was last week. Week one begins this week. And uh, we would love to have you a part of it. Second question on the next steps. What do you need to come to Jesus with today to walk it out with him? What is he saying? Hey, bring this to me. Lay this down. Let this go. Maybe it's something crouching at your door. And God's saying, bring it to me. Walk it out with me. Get out of the flesh. Get in the spirit. Third question. Will you take a step forward today by faith? and begin walking it out. Every, I mean, just throughout Hebrews 11, it's this by faith, by faith, they did this. By faith, they did this. And, and it, there's these moments where we have to realize that you can borrow the faith around you of other people for only so long. You know, my faith might encourage you, and you can borrow a little bit of it, right, today. And maybe it's, you know, a, a, a dad or a grandfather or a grandmother that went ahead of you or a mother and, and you borrow a little bit of their faith for a season but there's always that moment where I believe God says it's your turn in your generation in your time and in your moment it's your turn will you follow me by faith for you today that may mean that you need to get up out of your seat that, that you need to move forward literally as a step of faith we're going to have a time of extended worship and prayer and, and space to just allow God to work. And we're coming to Jesus ultimately. He's the story changer. You see, I want to share one more scripture with you from Hebrews chapter 12. It's actually in Hebrews 12, just a little bit further than where we're spending most of the summer, that it mentions Abel again. And again, it's the not the blood of Cain, but the blood of Christ that changes everything. Listen to what this says in verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It's Jesus' blood. Yes, Abel's is still speaking today, but it's pointing us to Jesus's. It says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. To be clear, that has nothing to do with me right now. You can reject me and refuse me all you want. All I want for you is that you don't reject what Jesus is saying to you today. Because to miss what he's saying, to miss what he's doing, is really the tragedy of Cain's life and often ours. So it says, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that things that cannot be shaken remain. Here we go, church, are you ready? It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. <laughs> King Jesus establishes a kingdom that cannot be shaken. When we walk it out with him, we might be tempted to be shaken. It happens, but we then go, okay, he's King Jesus. 
His kingdom will not be shaken. His purpose will prevail. Listen to what it says. And thus, as a result, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So what do we do in this morning? We're gonna pray, our, I'm gonna pray over us and invite you to worship him, to let go, to look to him, to say King Jesus and his blood is the story changer. His kingdom will not be shaken. To listen for his invitation, to walk it out by faith and to worship him, to say you're my consuming fire, you're my desire, you are first. And when we begin to do that, we are gonna see breakthrough, we are gonna see blessing, we are gonna see God moving in new ways. I'm ready for it, are you all? Some of you, when the message finishes, you immediately hit the off switch and start thinking about lunch. 10 of you are like, oh, how do you know? Our heart this morning is that you understand we're finishing and going into a time of God's really worshiping him for a couple of songs to say, God, we wanna sit in this. We wanna dwell in this. So please don't turn it off. Please don't disengage. Please lean in by faith and let God be your consuming fire as we worship him together, amen? you'll stand, I'm going to pray over us, and then our team is going to lead us. Our prayer partners and leaders will come forward. The kneeling benches and the altar is open. If you'd like somebody to pray for you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to recommit to Jesus, please come forward. If you're online, let our chat hosts know. Father, we love you and praise you. We believe, God, that this is your moment, that you are worthy of our worship, that you are better than anything that we may have brought into this moment. So we wanna lay it down. We wanna worship you, we wanna praise you. We want you to be our desire, our first, our consuming fire, that we could walk it out by faith. So Holy Spirit, bless this time as we worship you. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.